This week on the podcast, we have the one and only Jonathan Morrison. He is a YouTuber that I've always had so much respect for. Like, he just constantly puts out really high-quality, crispy videos with amazing content in them, and he's just such a nice guy. So I went down to LA, we uh, hung out for a little while, recorded a podcast, and he also put together a dream desk for me. So we kind of had this back and forth of like, what is the most important stuff for a photographer's dream desk? So we're going to talk about that a bit, MacBook Pro's uh, the Sony a7 III, and then stick around after the interview because I'm going to talk about some more details about the Dream Desk, what was actually involved, the real dirt, <laughs> and also my my real desk setup at home, like kind of what I've been living with, and lessons I've learned just having gone through renovation. And I'm actually in the middle of rethinking my whole workspace right now. It's about halfway through. So I got a few insights there. So stick around. I've got Jonathan Morrison in uh, this studio. We're in LA, and we're shooting together today, and it was super fun. Hey, Jonathan. How's it going, man? Really good. I um, I wrote some questions to talk to you, but I don't really care that much what we talk about. I kind of want to just like, hang out, talk about technology. I was wondering, do you listen to any podcasts? Dude, I'm really bad at podcasts. I, I like to listen like to music more, I think, yeah. if I, I default to anything. so Podcasts have kind of ruined my music. Like Now I don't know any new music, because I spend so much time listening to podcasts. Right. What would uh, you recommend? <laughs> We've got some wide open windows here. Well, I mean, for YouTube stuff, I like the H3 podcast. Right. I mean, it's stupid and terrible and, and kind of great. I feel like reasons, I catch up but, on the clips of the yeah. H3. Yeah. Well, and it's especially that like they bring in great people. So often like podcasts are either like a, a voice of somebody you like really respect and keep coming back to, or they have like a bunch of people coming through, and that's what H3 is good for. For like Apple stuff, I love Upgrade. Okay. And the talk show. I listen to like mostly Apple podcasts. Like, I'm going to just name 10 Apple podcasts. But you but you did do a podcast. You're on Sarah Dietschy show. Yes. So we're, we're both Sarah Dietschy alumni now. Yes. So, uh, did you yeah. listen to that? Yeah, I listened. <laughs> uh, like, I watched the YouTube version of that. I think I just default. Does that count if I watch the YouTube? I guess. Like, I don't know. I'd, I'd love to hear from more people that watch podcasts on youtube because i know it's a thing right but i just can't Im- imagine sitting with the video playing for an hour i guess sometimes i look at it like the way i might watch like a philly d video sometimes where if i'm driving right. i'll just like put it autoplay and then yeah, like yeah. listen to the news is it- or i started to do a lot of uh what is in mac os you can do the picture in picture right which uh it's kind of a hack in youtube if anybody hasn't found it you you have to right click and then right click again and then you get the system menu and then you can do picture in picture in YouTube. Fancy. That's actually, I watch a lot of YouTube lately. So I'm just, because I'm like editing photos and I can have it playing in the right. corner. I don't know, enough about me. Here, let me. Let me look at my questions. One, the first biggest thing was I wanted to talk about desks a bit. Because that's what we were doing today. Yeah. We were putting a desk together. It was a photography desk. How did, how did it work out for you? Were you happy with it? I was, yeah, stoked with it. I think like any project, you kind of get those like ups and downs. You get really excited, then tech doesn't work, and then... You get it to come together towards the end. And yeah, I was, I was stoked. I think we got something really cool. Well, I guess half the fun of tech is that it's a pain in the ass and you got to figure it out anyway. Right. But uh, no, I, th- I think it turned out really great too. Um, like one of the big things I was into with it is being able to move it around a studio. Right. So like when photographers work, often it's nice to be able to bring your setup just near you across the room or whatever. Right. Um, it's great for that. You can raise it and lower it. What did you think of those little palette things? Did you did you actually get to try them, or was I hogging I them the I watched whole time? you use them, and they looked amazing. Like yeah. it seems like it makes sense. It seemed pretty intuitive to because I saw you adjusting exposure and white balance, and um, yeah, I guess you got to give me the review because I was just kind of yeah, like yeah. geeking out watching. Well, I wonder if you can use them with uh, video stuff. Like I, 
because you can map them to different applications. And right. I wonder if you could do any grading and yeah, I could see like drop in exposure or like contrast or yeah, yeah. white balance. Maybe we could like hook them up to some raw files. Yeah. What's like some general advice for people putting their own real life desks together? Because you know you kind of come in and you do it all at once. You make this beautiful once in a lifetime desk, but then you go on and do another one. We got to like live with them all the time. So like, how do you approach your working desk and right? What I do think. Things to think about? Maybe it's like anything, whether it's like you're a musician or like uh, you get in a video. I think the instinct is to like overdo it. Mm. And so kind of like dial it back down a little bit and I guess minimalize it, I guess. That would probably be my number one tip is don't overdo it because. How clean does your desk stay in real life? (laughs) Does it look like the shots in the video? I mean, I think it's somewhere in between. Like mm-hmm. it's not like as messy as you would think. And it's not like as pristine as you would think. Honestly, it's, it's not as messy as mine. No, um, <laughs> my buddy, rich has a tendency to like, I'm looking at you <laughs> leave everything on my desk and I'll come in and like find, you know, gear yeah, on my yeah. desk. And that's like where it goes to. I need like a second desk. That's like, here's where all the garbage goes. And here's right. where my working stuff. That's goes. like the dream world. Just like that bonus desk. Yeah, and then yeah, totally. one that stays, I was surprised, honestly, at the utility of the one we pulled out today. Like, mm-hmm. it's from Home Depot. Yeah. And I don't think I ever would have yeah. looked for that. Yeah, it's like a workbench. Right. Um, I mean, yeah, uh, link in the show notes if you want to <laughs> see everything in the video. I guess we don't need to describe the whole video. But, like, a lot of your desks come from Ikea. You've had pretty good luck there, it seems. I feel like Ikea is, like, the go-to. Like, yeah. you can't go wrong for, like, bang for your buck. I feel like it's been a- everything from Ikea to... One of the dream desks was actually one from Amazon that we completely just like tweaked. One was this crazy, I mean, the MKBHD one was from Roche Bobois, which is uh, super fancy. What is that? I don't know it's what that like is. A high it's just end, like cool this is furniture. a high end, like modern furniture place and way, way too expensive. And I just remember walking down, um, there's a store in Pasadena, and of course they have this like beautiful window display and i just remember seeing that desk and i wanted to do something with it so yeah i feel like we've had a wide range of desks ranging from like budget to obviously over the top or something like that when i used to work at um my stock photo the, the founder there had started a few different companies and he had a tradition of always buying home depot doors and putting them on uh <laughs> hobby horses like when he started a company because he's like We'll buy real desks once we make money. That makes and, uh, sense. I just kind of like that. It's like uh, the, the physical desk isn't really as important as like right. what you do to it. Right. You know, I mean, unless it's that cool MKBHD desk. Right. Thing. Yeah. There's, um, I think maybe it wasn't a desk, but I remember one time I stayed in an Airbnb for an iPhone launch and there was this like, I don't know if it was graffiti, but like it was definitely like arted up and like top down wise, that was probably one of the coolest, like most artistic just like out of this world kind of like mm-hmm. tops. So like, yeah, definitely stuff with characters. Cool. One thing I really liked about this desk is I could beat it up a bit. Cause like, I'd be a little afraid to get that super nice MKBHD desk. Cause <laughs> I'm probably going to kind of destroy it eventually. Like yeah. put a camera down once and all of a sudden you got to gouge across it. Right. And it's something you're doing every day, day in, day out. Yeah. Like that could definitely wear it out. And what about actual computer setups? Like, are you a two monitor person or you stick to, no, I'm like, I've always preferred one good monitor. Uh I've never, I've never really liked two monitors. Do you do clamshell or, uh, on your laptop monitor? Like what's, Uh, if I have like a laptop, uh, with a monitor, I'll go like kind of dual, I guess, just Mm -hmm. because I, why waste the the screen real estate? Um, recently more so like at my desk has been the iMac pro. Um, and I've always, 
<laughs> You're spoiled for monitors then. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's a beautiful display. And I've always just like, even even without like the iMac or whatever it is, I've always preferred like one good monitor. Mm-hmm. Um, I know like there's the argument of productivity and, you know, 8 million apps and but I've, I just like to be focused on one thing. Right. Yeah, I always thought I needed two monitors, and I just ended up with one. I've come to really appreciate Apple monitors for for their predictability. Okay. Like you kind of just, I just know what an Apple screen looks like. And then so today we're using a BenQ, and so I thought it was really important with that to have a calibration unit so that we can get it to that point. Whereas right. like most Apples out of the box kind of look the way you expect, but. Uh, third parties, you got to make sure that they get to that calibrated place. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was cool. Like I definitely, I, I don't really tinker too much with calibrated monitors. It's um, a pain. It's such a pain. <laughs> yes. Like I, it drives me crazy. I, I wish I never had to. Yeah, do but that. it definitely made a difference for sure. One thing I wanted to ask you about is the A7 III. Right. You've been tweeting about it and talking about it. Like wh- what's the best and worst of the A7 III? What do you like? What do you hate? I, I don't know if I dislike a lot about it. I mean, I've like, it's probably a side outside of the Ronin S, probably the thing I've been most excited about this year. Yeah. Just because, like, I think it's just for what it brings for the price is crazy. I mean, mm-hmm. the closest thing spec-wise is the 1DX, um, and just in terms of, like, the full-frame mm-hmm. 4K and then 120. Which never really feels like a video camera to me. It's right. so big. Right, yeah. Know? So, like, the compactness, and I think the what sold me was just kind of, like, embracing the Sony system and not fighting it, and, you know, I, I see a bunch of like uh metabones and adapters and mm-hmm. uh you know canon glass on sony but just i've embraced the g master and that's been like an amazing combo yeah no i totally am behind that i actually don't have a lot of sony lenses i stick to the, like very few of them but when i adapt i i hate it like it's yeah. not it's not the solution right even though people talk, so spend a lot of time talking about it trying to make it work yeah it's it's never great there's always something wrong with it yeah i think like i'm trying to think if there's anything I guess maybe that was one thing I tweeted about, right? Like the the faced the face autofocus doesn't work when you plug in a monitor in 4K. Yeah, that's probably like one of my super weird small complaints. But overall, yeah. it's amazing. I have a lot of complaints, <laughs> but that's Sony. I mean, Sony's always um, they give you every feature in a good way. Like they were amazing at packing it in there. Uh, then you got to figure it out for yourself, <laughs> right? Yeah, and I guess it's from a different perspective because I am not coming from it from like a photography standpoint. Like mm-hmm. for me, it's just made photography fun, I guess. Well, and speaking of photography, uh, what's your relationship with photography as like a filmmaker? Uh, I mean, same kind of thing, I guess. I mean, I don't consider myself a photographer by any means. Um, I think I've, because of the A7, it's like made me interested into like learn, you know, the basics of that. But I think for the most part, it's just like, you know, with video, like composition and lighting and that's always been fun to me so like i guess in certain ways it kind of rolls over to that so mm-hmm. I, th- I think it helps in a little bit but right. no, no by no means am i a photographer no, we're not going to see your portfolio anytime soon no no that's cool i mean I, I i like seeing youtubers like branch out to do more stuff and like you've been working on some project that we're all excited to see yeah and can't wait to find out what the <laughs> hell it is yeah it's been fun man like eh. I don't know, man. We're like in this golden time where like there's just so much at our fingertips and mm-hmm. everything like in terms of information and like, yeah, I wish, you know, 10 years ago it was nothing like this in terms of like just wanting to go out there and learn things and do things. And well, what was your learning process like in terms of video? Like you just YouTube. I mean, yeah. like, yeah, same, I mean, same. yeah, I 
you kind of like gradually realize you suck and mm-hmm. yeah, like, okay, I got to get better. So yeah. and it still happens. Oh I mean, yeah. Like I, forever. Garbage yeah. right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, a crazy thing about that shift too is like, you've been shooting more stuff on the a7 III, but you also have bigger, better cameras available to you. When do you choose the Sony versus you know, something that shoots raw and has more dynamic range. And so like, how do you pick? Yeah, I guess, I mean, it depends on what's the situation for it. Like with the a seven, it kind of makes it easy. Um, I just gotten to the point where it's almost like a fun game to, you know, can I make this $2,000 camera look comparable to this $50,000 camera? I didn't notice which videos were which. Um, yeah, especially like on the road too. like, um, dragging a giant tripod and a, Big camera's not fun. So, like, recently I took the A7 um, with the Note 9 launch and couldn't be happier. So, yeah. it just depends um, how, like, if it makes sense. And obviously, it's more fun. You do notice a difference going from, like, the higher-end cameras to, like, the A7. But mm-hmm. it's more of just, like, a cha- like a fun challenge, I think. Yeah. I've been, I've spent the last few years trying to talk myself out of needing a big, amazing camera. But then what really makes me not do it is I know... I couldn't travel with it. Right. I couldn't be a one man show with it. It just, right. I would do less things with it and it would get left behind. I, I'd have to buy a bigger gimbal. I'd have to, you know, there's all the stuff that comes with it. Yeah. And, and I think for, for me, it's like, I honestly, like even the bigger cameras, um, like I'm not super into raw or anything. Like if I can shoot ProRes and yeah. 4k, I'm fine. Have you looked at, uh, ProRes raw at all yet? I got excited and then I realized there were so many limitations. I got unexcited um, yeah. when they announced it because you have to have, I believe, SDI. It doesn't go over HDMI. No, you don't. I didn't find out the bad. It only I only saw the good side in the announcements. So. Yeah, no. So I got really excited. I thought you could use it with like the A7, but from what I understand, it's very limited. At the time, it was only like the FS5, mm-hmm. uh, and obviously it's like a manufacturer thing, but it won't work over HDMI. You need SDI, right? So if it's going to an external recorder, but you, but if you have a camera that it shoots, cause, cause uh, like black, somebody's going to do it. Uh, so DJI, like the Inspire will shoot, um, oh, okay. like the ProRes raw internally, yeah. but, uh, you know, that's like a dream for certain cameras to do that. What about the new, uh, what do you think of the new Mavics? Uh, they're fun. Like, I think the biggest thing was that, you know, the sensor is bigger. So, uh, I've got a little spoiled, like with some of the shoots we've done, like seeing the Inspire, which is just like different level mm-hmm. um but it kind of bridges that gap of like the the phantom 4 pro and then the more portability because i think for the most part people don't want to carry around a phantom 4 um, it's just not going to happen I mean, yeah i have a phantom 4 that is not coming out of my closet because because of the the sparks my small drone right yeah so i, th- I think and the mavic like the size just wins two is like that good combination and dji they just keep like killing themselves and killing everybody like they're just that's crazy murdering the game right now yeah no seeing how fast dji moves i just can't make sense of what's going to be happening in a few years yeah like it's 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 faster than sony right you know so yeah they they i don't even know what they're like what level they're on but they're just like outputting everything i hope they bring it to hasselblad too yes i mean i love those cameras hasselblad was like they were just starting to really hit their stride when they were bought out and then that can go either two ways, right? Either now it means they're going to get kicked in the next level and right. like ha- bring on some of that DJI engineering or they'll get <laughs> forgotten about. <laughs> yeah, hopefully they're not forgotten about. Oh, let's talk about MacBooks. Yeah, that was like a controversial subject. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I just, I like them. Like they, they work. They <laughs> that doesn't work. sound controversial at all. No, they, they work for me. You know, it's like, 
I think the bigger surprise was probably the 13 inch was like the bigger update just in terms of performance. There's yeah. a lot of controversy with the 15 inch and the, the thermal throttling and the over, like, it's no secret. Like it's not a, a, from an engineering standpoint, they're not like a thermal masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, I, I have zero complaints. Like I, I edit in final cut. That's what I do. And yeah. in terms of like my workflow, it's faster than last year. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in a lot of ways, I feel like it, it's finally the version of this design that is acceptable. Right. Um, you know, there, there's like, there's so many flaws before the keyboards kind of sketchy and, and all that stuff. But, um, I mean, this is why I finally jumped into to this generation. But, yeah. And your upgrade was like long oh, overdue. Man, yeah. Yeah. I was just living on this dying old <laughs> computer that was not at all what I needed it to be. So, yeah, so, so far, so good. Oh yeah. Yeah. So far it's been great. I am. Um, what's any downsides? I mean, the worst of it's USB-C. I mean, I know the rest of the world's been living with dongles for a few years, but I'm not getting used to it. No, no, it's they, not feeling good. they need an SD card slot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like there's all these times that I like walk up to the machine holding my SD card. and I'm like, wait, I got to turn around and walk across the house and dig out the dongle. And do you think they will ever have, like an SD card in USB-C form? Oh, uh, no. <laughs> I mean, that, that could solve it, but I don't think it'd fit in my, uh, my camera. I mean, I, I think that might be the thing they go back on. Like, they're not going to add a USB-A. Right. That'll never happen. Right. I, cu- I could see them going back and saying, like, yeah, pros use are still using SD cards. I think even, like, Phil Schiller admitted they pulled Did the plug on the, yeah. on the SD card too soon. Yeah. I could be making that up, but I do remember hearing that. Start the rumor. I'm fine fine with it. I mean, like they have to have people inside that are running into this too. And I know that a lot of the issue with dongles too is that they're the the chips inside are relatively constrained. Like a lot of them are coming from the same manufacturers and have similar bugs. Like I've been noticing my iPhone won't charge from one of them. Yeah. It's like the only place I can plug my phone into it. There's yeah. no power coming out of it. Right. Um, so, I don't, do you, like, what's your dongle of choice? It's a Hutu adapter. Like, <laughs> okay. I just, I don't know if it's the best, but I, I, I've used it for a couple of years and it hasn't failed me. So, that's yeah. just like by default my favorite. What about the Blackmagic eGPUs as a, as a dongle? How, that, that seems like an appealing one to me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no. Can't fit it on an airplane? <laughs> no. I, I still haven't actually messed with that, to be honest. I have one, but um, I guess I've been happy with. The performance, I haven't really felt like I need extra power. Right. That's good. Well, I know what I've seen is that a lot of the, uh, even first party stuff, like Final Cut, doesn't like reach out to the right. GPU and do much with it. Right. So yeah. far. Yeah. So far, it's been like Resolve and um, yeah. like gaming a little bit, but like yeah. for Final Cut, like really wasn't a huge difference. Oh, that, okay. A question just for me is do you grade inside of final cut as well like you're using all the color tools in final cut you're mm-hmm. not going out to davinci or anything everything's pretty much in-house in final cut yeah. yeah yeah that was what made me switch to final cut that was the moment where i was like i can leave premiere now because i can do color <laughs> yeah once they like dropped their big color update last year it was because i used resolve i'm not resolve um color finale for oh for, yeah yeah for okay. the longest time um like when back when the the final cut tools were kind of primitive. Right. Um, and then they dropped that and yeah, I haven't kind of looked back since. Yeah. Yeah. I was using Colorista, which is a similar idea, but, um, it would really be a bottleneck sometimes. Yeah. And I think I I like color finale because it felt, 
almost like it was native in terms of performance, didn't slow things down. But right. yeah, the, the tools now in Final Cut are awesome. And just another series that I always love of yours is Best Tech Under Anything. <laughs> How do you end up finding that many items constantly? Uh, are you just like it's a, it's cruising a Amazon rabbit all the time? hole? Like, yeah, it's like hours on Amazon. And I think the thing that people don't see is, you know, <laughs> like for every five that make it, they're probably 20 that don't make well, it. Yeah, that's what I imagine. It's like every time I look at anything that's, you know, 40, 50 bucks from something, a, a brand I don't know. I'm like, is this any good? Yeah. I have no idea. What I'll I need us- to go watch your video to what find I'll out. What I'll usually do is just order like, you know, maybe 15 items and then weed out the bad ones. Right, right. And what's something that's been awesome lately? Hmm. I feel like I, maybe it wasn't super recent, but there was like this like $30 LED. Um, and I remember, you know, I guess it's cool because back in the day using like Home Depot, $20 special like fluorescent lamps. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, as advanced as technology has come, like filmmaking stuff is so cheap now. So I get excited when you can like make a $30 light look good. Totally. Um, like, oh, the one you that I loved was the Westcott flexible one that you had. Yeah, that one's cool for that traveling. Looks great. Yeah. I've actually been using the uh, 120D on the road a lot. Okay, yeah. The 120D is like my everyday. Yeah. Like, I can't get enough of that one. Every, Aperture is in like that's however you want to pronounce it. <laughs> They're in the same boat as DJI for me. They're just like right. reinventing stuff constantly. And the right. price point is crazy and like everything about it. Yeah, been, no, it's been like my go-to light lately. Yeah, yeah. But they updated it, didn't they? Wasn't there like a... So from what I understand, I kind of like got in the game once they updated it. Um, oh, okay. The old one used to be I, I i'm either backwards or one of the two I, I think the old one used to be 5600 or the old one used to be 6000 kelvin mm-hmm. uh and then the new one it was like straight like tungsten and straight daylight and i am probably wrong but it's that was like the, it was color balance like. right right okay that's cool but do you still also use other lights like what's, what's yeah kind of, like what what do you reach for uh, is like a standard sort of kit to, to do everything. I guess spoiled wise, um, you know, we have like an airy sky panel, which is amazing. With yeah, soft beautiful. Box. Um, yeah. So like that, that's obviously like the go-to, but I, I guess more so than anything, I don't know if it's just getting more comfortable. I, I, I find myself reaching for, I guess, more budget stuff just to have, like I've used a zoom H one, which is a hundred dollar recorder for a voiceover recently. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've used the a seven I've used the aperture and, and you know, like it's, a, it's an amazing light, but when stack says I'm like the sky panel, it's not in the same league, but again, it's more so just like, how can you make it look good? Well, yeah, I'd be curious about that. Like if you've seen them side by side, can you see, I, I don't think difference like on, for the uh, most, part. I think yeah. it comes to like output and like softness. And then, right. you know, I'm not a super technical person in terms of like the CRI rating or anything. Right. Um, well, one thing that's, really bugged me when I've seen it is people will like have this idea of when YouTubers have amazing gear and are shooting on really great cameras that people outside of the industry are like, you know, that's like that it's overkill or doesn't make sense. And that's just so strange to me. It's like, like because YouTube's not a real thing right? or because when millions of people are watching it, that's a different kind of viewer from traditional tv yeah i'll always remember like one comment just always stuck in my mind is i I remember seeing someone uh saying like the t6i is the absolute maximum (laughs) camera you'll ever need for youtube and anything over that is overkill uh it's a complete waste of time 
And I, I get it. Like, you know, I liked your tweet the other day. Um, you know, <laughs> the best camera yeah, yeah. is the one that's with you. And then you said, bullshit, bring a better camera. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I, I get it. Like, yeah, to an, a certain extent, yes, you have to have the tools and the skill set to make something look good. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that, you know, if you have a better option, don't go for it. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. I mean, I hope people didn't take that tweet wrong. Like, if you can't afford a big, great camera, that's okay. But there's always, like, you probably have access to a better camera. I mean, a lot of people will have an old DSLR sitting at home, and they leave it at home because it feels too big. Right. And you know what? You can see the difference. Yeah. Like, it really does look better than cell phones. <laughs> cell phones aren't catching up anytime soon. Right. Um, even though they look great. Yeah. You're going to get a better image out of just about anything yeah, else. Yeah, so. the same, same thing. It's like there's a reason why films are shot on X camera or whatever. And yes, YouTube is not a film, but it does lead to, like I said, uh, you kind of build your skill set here. And then when you're ready to branch off and do bigger things, it's like you're already there. Yeah. If you can imagine bigger things, like what what can you dream of? Like what would be cool other big things for you to work on? Um, I guess it's been like things we've kind of dove into already doing commercials directly with brands that you know live outside of youtube for websites and Mm -hmm. like phillips was a great company we got to work with and um that was cool because you know in in the youtube world you kind of have the brand and usually there's an agency and there's the production company but to kind of like you know two-step those and just work directly with a brand and then be the production company and be like the creative is cool Mm -hmm. And to have the gear to to do that just kind of made sense. In that kind of situation, would you be doing like DP type roles, like cinematography, camera operating? Like, what's the. Yeah, I guess like for me, a little bit of like my obsessiveness is just always makes me want to go behind the camera. And Mm -hmm. it's just like that weird balance I got to juggle of like being in front of the camera, but then I want to be behind the camera. Uh, and that's always the the part I've juggled for sure. Like, if tomorrow you were switching from YouTube to working at the best studio in, in Hollywood working on, you know, next James Bond or whatever. Yeah. Would you like, would you step into it? Okay, maybe not James Bond, but would you like step into something like that? Yeah, that's like, fun. Like cool. I, th- I think, I think, uh, not that I think I'm good, but I think I'm better <laughs> behind a camera than I am in front of a camera. Well, I think you do great at both, but I just think is uh, talking has always been so hard yeah. and like I'm on a podcast now, but well, and, but look at this. Like uh, I'm not, rep- the thing I love about podcasts is I never have to go back and do 10 takes. And when I'm recording YouTube videos, like yes. the amount of takes. Yes. I feel you. It's, it's, is, is it just me? I don't get to like, how, how, like how many is an average number of takes for you? I don't know if I would go on takes. I would say a, an amazing day, like for a video, would be like a thirty-minute take, mm-hmm. like thirty minutes total, and then like a day from hell is like, you know, one to two hours. So yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, sometimes I just get in like loops of, you know, a phrase that just gets stuck in your mouth or whatever. Right. But then with podcasts, it's. Uh, I mean, for one thing, the long form I think really helps. Yeah. Like the, as you can talk longer, you can like kind of dig down to the like meat of a topic but then you also have just this like more natural way of speaking it's more like real life there's no way to have patience for that on youtube <laughs> like you can't do it it just yeah. doesn't you, you can't have an hour-long youtube video yeah all right well we're getting kicked out of our studio right now <laughs> but it was an awesome day jonathan i super appreciate yeah. you coming here thanks for hitting me up and thanks for uh giving me that because i've i've had requests to do like a photographer setup but it's always like that intimidation of like i'm not a photographer so i don't want to screw this up so it was pretty interesting to get your insight on things that are actually useful and, cool. and it's going to force me to clean up my home so uh thanks again <laughs> yeah thank you dude
That was awesome hanging out with Jonathan. Thank you so much again for the Dream Desk and for hanging out. I'm sure a question um, some people are wondering is, uh, what am I doing with that Dream Desk now? Well, spoiler alert, um, I'm I'm not keeping the Dream Desk. The Dream Desk, uh, you know, is a thing he put together. So I am still working on my own Dream Desk back in uh, Calgary here. We're, we're pretty far away too. So hauling that back would not really have been an option. And uh, so right now I'm actually going through the middle of some pretty major renovations. And first of all, I have to give the credit to my wife for having done all the really hard work, uh, as always when we do uh, renovation type stuff. Um, she's the brains behind it and came up with all the most beautiful ideas. So when you see the background in my videos and that it looks so nicely designed, um, you know, I, she deserves the real credit for it. If it was up to me, I, I can be a little too practical sometimes. I can be really inclined to just sort of set things up in the way I think will function best and not give enough regard to it really looking awesome. Like I can end up having this aesthetic taste that feels like as long as there isn't, as long as there isn't clutter, that means it looks good, but that's not, that's not really how it is. Um, there's, there's more than just like bare stripped down minimalism to making a space look nice. So some, uh, issues we've been having in uh, my, my own like regular daily life desk setup is that, well, and also I should clarify that the desk that we set up, that's like a standardized, uh, not standard. It's a relatively common way for photographers to set up studio desk stations. So this will often be sitting near the seamless background so that as you're shooting, you can kind of just wheel it in wherever so that you, the photographer or clients or the subject, the model, whoever needs to can see the monitor and you can shoot tethered so that there's not a super long cable running out to the computer. And um, it's just downloading them right away. And you can at a glance, see them on a huge screen, the bigger the screen, the better. Um, and, And also hopefully the more accurate so that you can spot any real issues as you're doing it. So uh, this isn't a setup I've personally had before at, at home. I actually don't, I don't shoot tethered that often, but a lot of it's because it's not been very convenient for me. So this was a goal of making it a little bit easier, a little bit more practical. And I, I think it worked out pretty great. And so I was saying the difference in my space, uh, my studio space, is that I actually have sort of a separated office. It's it's a loft. And so there's a second floor and that's really where like the offices where we sit down and do hours of work, like I'm editing videos or editing photos for a long period. I'm going to be sitting up in that other space. I'm not usually on the studio floor. So this was kind of set up with like everything on one desk. Whereas for me, I'd probably have things like the Lightroom controls or the hard drive uh, more upstairs for archival stuff. And downstairs, you know, in the studio space is more focused on there just being a monitor. Like that's the really important thing. And then, you know, obviously it's going to need a good hub because we're living in the dongle world now. And I mean, that can be the most important thing. Usually I would be just kind of there while I'm shooting and, and just working with a client present. One of the details I was excited to try was actually the palette because I, I hadn't used it before. I've been looking at them since since they were announced. I mean, do you ever have a feeling where like you had an idea and somebody else executes it, but you still kind of want credit for having thought of it first? You don't deserve any. 
but neither do I for having thought of how badly Lightroom needs physical controls. Like I'd been thinking and tweeting about this for years before Palette or Loop Deck came around. So I was really excited to see them come out. And um, I think they both executed pretty well. So I've actually spent more time with Loop Deck. That's the one that I I'd borrowed it from the camera store in Calgary. It's a great place. Check out their YouTube channel. And I, I was kind of using it just to possibly review or, or also just kind of advise them whether they should buy it or not or, or stock it. I was not a huge fan of it. And that's that's not to knock against the developers of Loop Deck. I can tell they put a lot of work into it. They did a, they did a good job. They, they tried super hard. The hardware is very well designed. It looks nice. It functions very well. The software is well thought out. Like everything was really good about it, except this. This was huge. The keys on the the keyboard because most of it is physical keys. That's what most of the space takes up. The touch of them was much worse than a computer keyboard. So way worse than my MacBook. Often, if I would touch kind of the outside of the key, it would not respond because there is a what do you call it? The mechanism for the key was right in the center of it. So you didn't really hit the center of the key. You could have an unresponsive key touch. And that sucks. Like it's really frustrating where one in 50 or one in a hundred times, even you hit a key and nothing happens. Um, It can, it can totally screw you up. Let's say you were going through and that one key press was to set a rating of five stars because that's the image you were going to use and it didn't respond, and now you didn't rate it when you thought you did. It, it can really cause problems. So I couldn't use the keyboard on it, and that means I was left to really just using the dials. And they also weren't super precise. They felt great. Like, the physical knobs w- were really well-constructed. But they would kind of go through the numbers so quickly in Lightroom that I found I would always have to go back and still adjust them manually a bit. So it was kind of too imprecise to to fully rely on it. I really did like, though, having instant access to a few different specific controls, like having um, physical controls for exposure, white balance. Uh, you know, I, I might even have added it for like a couple HSL uh, colors that like I adjust all the time. I don't know. Can, can you do that? Oh, you can do that on Loop Tech. I don't think you could do that on Palette, but maybe you could. <laughs> but, um, you know, basically you, you just choose the things that are most important and that's what you reach for. But so with the loop deck, you've got this huge keyboard and you're not using most of it. Most of the time, it's just taking up space and you're still using your other keyboard. So what's the point? I think they could really improve this in another round of hardware. Like this could become a much more useful thing. Just think of how colorists do adjustments for video production. Like they always use a control surface. They couldn't anybody doing it professionally couldn't imagine doing it on a mouse and keyboard. So I think there should be able to be photography tools that are like that, that actually make us much better at doing our job. And once you have it, you can't go back. So far, I still haven't really experienced it. Palette felt a bit closer, um, especially because you could just customize it so much. So for example, like with the loop deck, there'd be all these buttons I just wouldn't choose to have because I'm fine with doing those things on my keyboard, like the navigating between photos and just um, I don't know, maybe uh, like zooming in and out. It's a space bar. It's a huge button. Like that, that works fine for me. Uh, but I, you know, I might still want a couple big buttons for uh, the rejecting, right? Like a big red button that's like this always rejects every single time. And also choosing how many dials versus sliders. So like Palette has both the up and down, kind of like on an audio mixer. And 
they they operate really differently. So you'd kind of choose the exact one for the, the dial you're using. So at first I assigned the sliders to be white balance, but that, that really had some problems because it instantly jumps all the way to the physical point of the slider. So if the slider is all the way to the left, as soon as I start moving it, the image becomes completely cool. So then I have to move the slider back to around the middle, and then I can dial it in. So sliders didn't make sense for white balance, so I was using the spinning dials. Um, So uh, based on this experience, I would lean to having way more dials. I couldn't really see a lot of uses for the sliders. Um, Anyway, I I don't, so I don't have the palette right now. I'm still kind of considering if I'm going to get it or not for my real one, but I'm definitely leaning towards it. They're not super expensive. They're very well made, very solid software. Um, some other details about the desk was this monitor that we got was, was really interesting. Like I, before, well, Jonathan picked it out. So I, I hadn't heard of it. I was, at first I was like, I don't know, I want a big, you know, 4k, 5k monitor. That's what's important. And I wanted to have a wide color space, you know, P3 and I want to look good. Like that's it. I'm not, I'm not crazy picky about my monitors. I know, I know some people are, but, um, I just want them to look good and similar to other devices. Like, I, you know, I want them to be accurate enough that I can trust them a bit. So I've always really appreciated about Apple hardware that out of the box, it all kind of looks the same. Like, it's pretty well calibrated from the factory. And I know that doesn't mean that color for color, it's perfectly accurate, but you can kind of trust it. Like, you know, generally what one person's, if, if it looks good on your iPhone, it looks good on other people's iPhones. And it's not like that in the PC world, um, you know, pu- like pulling this BenQ out of the box uh, and having it sit right next to the MacBook Pro. I'm like, we got to calibrate this. This is, I-, I couldn't possibly trust it on its own. F- first of all, like the gamma setting, which is the, I mean, basically it's brightness in a way, uh, but it, the, the contrast just felt totally wrong. Like the blacks were much lighter on the BenQ. So after we went through some calibration, they both felt a lot closer. And, you know, what was a very affordable monitor for a 30-inch monitor, this was, I think, $700. That's that's really impressive. It was um, pretty accurate. Like I, I would have been happy to work with it. And it's so big. Like that space was awesome. So overall, I was pretty satisfied with it. The Big downside, maybe the reason I wouldn't choose it, is that it doesn't really operate as a hub. That was like the one thing kind of missing was like there wasn't a lot of ins and outs. Uh, the BenQ could make a little <laughs> a note there. And maybe that's why the LG 5K monitor was doing um, a bit better for Mac users or is more commonly used for Mac users because they worked with Apple and targeted it to be more of a dedicated hub like that. So, you know, that would have really helped as well. Speaking of hubs, in the video, we went with the HyperDeck, which was the number one, or, well, I don't know if it was number one or two. I think it was the number two recommended USB hub when I asked Twitter and Instagram about it. So you guys wrote in, and it was that in Satechi. I'm running into right now. Satechi. Those were the two that most people recommended. Interesting point. Uh, While we were doing this, this, I had my Satechi and we had the HyperDeck and I couldn't run, what was it? I couldn't get power out of the Satechi and I could out of the HyperDeck. Uh, I don't remember which device we were going into. Something, it it just wouldn't pass power through the Satechi. Like it wasn't going to work. And we were like, oh no, what are we going to do? Then we switched back to the HyperDeck and, and it worked. So Something to know. Um, and I've had a little bit of unreliability with the Satechi as well. I've had it 
uh, with hard drives. Like I first just plug in a hard drive where it was working yesterday and it just doesn't appear. And now I have to unplug the hard drive, put it in another one of the USB-A slots. And then I unplug the whole uh, dongle and I move it to the next USB-C port. And then finally it works. I mean, it's been a bit of a nightmare. I hate dongles a lot, but yeah, the Stetchy's had a few issues and um, considering also adding a hyperdeck to to my collection of dongle accessories it, it worked just a little it, it worked it worked when this statue failed me one thing i was so ha- like we were all surprised with at how good it was is the raid drive that we picked out so th- this was kind of like a last minute choice i told him that yeah no i just want like a big a big raid um wasn't too specific about it. I mean, there's lots of options. There's lots of good options out there. And we went to Sammy's camera just before we started recording and picked up the less. Everybody's going to kill me for saying it wrong. The Lassie or Lacey or Lassie 8 gigabyte SSD RAID setup. You know, it looked great. I liked that about it. Uh, very elegant design. Looks rugged, well built. It's a Thunderbolt 3 which was important for speed. And, um, you know, it just seemed like, okay, like that, that'll handle it. Then we plugged it in and took a closer look and realized it actually has compact flash and SD card readers built into it. That was so exciting to find out because all of a sudden you've got permanent ones just sitting there without plugging in your dongle. You've already got access to card readers that are part of the hard drive. That was, that was an awesome surprise. So yeah, I was really happy with that specific hard drive, it it turned out to be a great choice. At home, I'm probably going to need something even bigger. So I, that probably won't be my final option personally. Uh, right now I have a, a Synology, I think I've talked about it in the past on the podcast, and it's 16 terabytes and it's full. So I'm kind of at a crossroads deciding how I'm going to store more of my footage in the future. It's actually been full for like two years. So uh, I've been like stacking up portable drives that are filling and not really sure how to adjust my workflow to improve that situation. So that's it's been an ongoing problem for me. But yeah, I do, I do need more space. Uh, either I'm going to put a few 10 terabyte drives into it or, uh, you know, maybe spend the extra money and get like an eight bay or something. But I don't know. Spending money on drives is just so boring. Like it's, it's always the last piece of gear I want to buy because it's just, it's just necessary. It's like paying your utility bill. You just kind of have to put money into it and then you don't really get anything new out of it. You just have a place to put your photos. A quick note on the, the Sony headphones we were using the, um, Okay, I don't remember the model name. You'll have to watch the video. But they're the ones that like we all a lot of people use in studios. It, they're super common. Like everybody uses them and they have this blue sticker on the side. So these are my uh kind of standard studio headphones that I use all the time. I, I love them. I've had them for years. They're very affordable. But the blue sticker is so weird to me because it's it's the same as like stickers you get on a new monitor or a TV or whatever that are say you know like 1080p and vision smoothing or whatever it says these it's just a little promotional thing but everybody leaves them on so you can always see people wearing these headphones with this like temporary sticker on it why why does everybody leave it on it's so weird to me and now I'm going to turn to Instagram where I just asked you guys for some questions a few minutes ago. And there's this, so there's this brief window. There's about 10 minutes where people could send in questions. I got a whole bunch of them. Instagram's questions are great for that. So uh, I'm going to just quickly go through and answer a few of these relevant things. I love this because you guys just give me the ideas of what to talk about. It's so much easier than trying to think of it myself. 
Okay, this one comes from underscore man underscore Samuel. Should I buy MacBook Pro 2018 or the 2017 MacBook Pro? I'm dying. Okay, well, it's tough because as with everything, it depends on your situation. Like, do you have the budget available for a 2018? I mean, first of all, that's it's kind of the biggest thing with any of these questions. Like, how much of a hit will your budget take if you take the more expensive option? Like, will it cause problems for you? You know, do you need something better? Do you, is it more important that you just get a camera body because you don't have one right now, or you don't have a wide angle lens. So if you spend an extra thousand dollars on your computer, you suddenly can't have some important other piece of kit. So these are all considerations, you know, I don't know about you or or your situation and you know, you need to, to figure out. So I can only talk about the differences that I've found um, between the 2017-2018. Again, I didn't own the 2017. I chose not to buy it, uh, just kind of watching what was happening. I came close, like I considered buying it during 2017. But ultimately, what led me away from it was how common the keyboard issues were. That was that was a big one. Um, I've talked about it a few times, but just desk getting under the keyboard would make the keys lock up, and then you'd have to replace the whole thing. And that meant your computer might be in the shop for a week. Even if it's covered, I can't lose my computer for a week. I, I, I need it to work. And we don't know how fixed they are with the MacBook 2018s. It, uh, some people have already encountered the issue. So obviously it is not completely solved. We won't really know how much better did it get uh, for a while. But it's better, I think. I don't know. I mean, they, they feel better. <laughs> the keyboard feels good to me. So the, generally, you know, you're probably going to be fine with the 2017. Like, there were no crazy big differences. Differences I cared about was that the top of the line moved up a bit. So you were now able to get 32 gigs of RAM. That's cool. Uh, new i9 processors. It's funny, I was actually kind of waiting for the new round of processors, but then in the end I got the i7 anyway. But if you're just looking for a good, solid computer that's going to get the job done for you, you can you can go for the 2017 and feel pretty safe other than the keyboard, which has, I think they put a four-year extended warranty on it. So if you buy one, you might want to sell it in four years uh, before it stops being covered. This one came from Beehive, and it represents a bunch of other questions. Um, I'm going to just rephrase it to because other people were asking me about, uh, should I go with the 15-inch or the 13-inch? There's a pretty common question. I think the 13 is awesome. Like I, I physically, I like having the 13 inch more. I like that size a bit more. It's just more comfortable to take around, um, on an airplane. It feels a lot better. It's so light. I, I, like I say, I was using a 13 inch for years, um, with the older body style, like the previous unit bodies. And I was really happy with it. It was great. I needed a 15 inch this time for one because of the screen real estate because the, it turns out laptop is the is my primary computer it's where I get most of my work done so I need as much screen as I can. I actually had a 17 inch back when they made those and I loved it at the time. But yeah, so the this 15 inch is it's basically if you need to push it that hard. If it if it's your only computer, I think it's worth getting like a bottom of the line 15 inch. They're awesome. Like you don't need to spec it out. I mean, I think you should try if you can. I, I was happy to especially add extra hard drive space. That was really valuable. But it depends how you feel about smaller screens too. Like how valuable is screen space to you? If you're mostly a writer, 
get the 13, like don't even consider the 15. There's no reason to, if you don't do really heavy, uh, editing, like for video, for example, you can edit 4k on the 13 inch when it starts to get bogged down is if you have a lot of layers, uh, if you have effects, like a lot of transitions or you're speeding up footage that can be really heavy, uh, a lot of different, uh, LUTs or, yeah, I mean, it's it's when you start stacking stuff on top, that's when it starts to have a real effect. But I mean, otherwise, if you're just doing clean, simple edits, it, it can totally handle whatever you throw at it. So again, I can't answer this for you specifically, but there are good things about each one. Just look at your situation to to try to decide what is right for you. That's an interesting one. Uh, any places to sell your photos from Alex Tepa? I mentioned in episode one, I don't know how much I've talked about it since, uh, but I it was a co-founder at Stocksy United, which is a stock photo company. And the five of us that that started it, we all came from the world of iStock Photo. I'm not going to go into detail of it here because I've talked about it before, but Stocksy is a fantastic website. It's a co-op, so all photographers own their own um, shares in the company and can vote on what happens. But it is very selective about who gets in. There's not a ton of contributors. So if you have a hard time getting in there, then I don't have a great recommendation for you. Otherwise, it's kind of like, you know, iStock has become hard to make money at. um, And Shutterstock too. But it's a good place to start. You know, if you're just, if you want to get a sense of what the world of stock photography is like, I, yeah, I'd recommend checking them out, just trying them out. Don't expect to make a fortune off of them. There was kind of a, a gold rush back in the olden days, and that is over. But take a look and just see how selling photos feels to you. And then you can, you know, look at other places. Fortnite or PUBG? I'm just going to answer this because everybody asks it. Uh, I don't play either. <laughs> I play pretty much all single player games. My next game will be God of War, which looks so good, but I don't have much time to play games at all. Like I get one, maybe two hours a week. So, uh, you know, I got to be pretty selective. I I might dabble a little bit more with Breath of the Wild. And the last game I beat was Uncharted 4, which was exactly as good as everybody told me it was. It was freaking amazing. Uh, but yeah, so I don't really play multiplayer games. I'm going to answer another question from Simbrush. I, I hit him up last time, but he's an awesome photographer. So uh, Simbrush, anytime you write in, I'll probably answer your question because they're always good. <laughs> eGPUs, better value to the... Okay, wait, I'm going to rephrase this because it's confusing. Kind of like, is it worth getting an eGPU? Um, and in his case, he's comparing it to having a iMac as a big, powerful machine, and then a MacBook Pro as portable, or use a MacBook Pro with an eGPU and a good monitor, and then just have one permanent setup. So that's what... That's what I'll be doing in the long run, but I'm not going to be buying an eGPU right now because there is just not good software support. Most apps, I mean, except for like DaVinci Resolve, don't seem to use it much at all. Like the eGPU just sits there and um, like Final Cut doesn't seem to reach out to it and make use of it. So at the moment, it doesn't seem like a great investment. You know, gaming, I'm sure works better. 3D stuff works better. But for work that I do, I, I don't think it has a real advantage yet. But I do think it could be an awesome hub. You know, it could, could be a good centerpiece on a desk. So I, I'd hold off for now. But that's it for this week. Thanks again for listening, guys. And again, if this is a useful show to you, it would be so fantastic if you told friends about it because that's the only way shows like this spread. Um, you know, there's no uh, way to 
game the system. There's no SEO tricks and tips that can get me up in the rankings. It only spreads if you tell somebody to subscribe, because that probably is how you found it. So thanks again for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. <laughs>